Hey everyone, welcome back to another Plugged In episode on the CPC Podcast. This Plugged In episode is brought to you by Gravity Student Ministries, the youth ministries of Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We pray that this episode blesses you and challenges you and gives you the answers that you have been looking for for quite some time. I know that this message is going to be anointed and we know that it's going to bless you. So without any further ado, let's get into today's Plugged In episode. John chapter 20, verse 19. Um, Brother David and I was talking about kind of what we wanted to do with this service, and we tossed around the idea of it being a vision casting service, but I told him earlier this week I felt led to hold off until the start of next year. Um, but I, I do believe God is still wanting to try to say and speak to us tonight from what He's given me. It's not a vision casting service, but I still do think there's something special that could happen in this place this evening. Amen. But that will come next year, so you'll have to wait, wait for that. But anyways, let's go ahead and get right into it. Verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That's what happens when we get the Holy Ghost, right? It's like a breath of fresh air in our lungs, and it's God's Spirit breathing life life into us. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, everybody say Thomas, Thomas. one of the twelve called Didymus or Didymus or Sister Sarah, what's the pronunciation? Didymus, thank you, was not with them when Jesus came. Uh Uh-oh, Thomas missed church. Oh no, Thomas missed church, y'all. Everybody else got the memo but Thomas. Thomas missed out. Okay, where's Thomas? Where's Thomas, right? Right. How many of us have ever missed church and we're like, man, we missed Jesus. That, we heard it was a good service, right? But man, man, if only we were there. Verse 25, The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Here we go again. Verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. Last verse, verse 31. But these 
are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. Verse 28 is very powerful. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. See, with Thomas, he stubbornly refused to believe that Jesus had resurrected. That's hard to swallow because you understand Jesus was one of the twelve. Jesus was a disciple. Jesus was God's closest follower. But yet something about Thomas did not want to believe that Jesus had risen. Thomas, Thomas wanted proof. Not just any proof. He wanted an outrageous proof. He, he wanted to put his fingers into Jesus' wound before accepting that he was alive. Skepticism, gravity, is good to a certain point. What's not good, though, is pretending to want evidence while demanding more evidence than is necessary or even possible. When Thomas made this ultimatum, he probably assumed that there would never be any scenario where this would even be possible. But you and I both know that with all things, it is possible with Jesus. When you test God, you have to be careful when you test Him. Okay? When Thomas said, my Lord and my God, he was 100% correct. And we know he was correct, Brother David, because if he wasn't, Jesus would have corrected him. But Jesus never did. Because Jesus does not dispute who he is. And we should never dispute who God is. Jesus is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Amen? Nothing on earth should ever come our way to disprove what we believe in God. No fame, no fortune, no status, no, no maybe evidence against. Nothing can ever come in place of the awesome, mighty hand of God. Amen? Amen. So just for the next few moments, I want to preach on this subject. The gift of confession. The gift of confession. Let's set our Bibles down and pray one more time before God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to be in this place. We thank you for allowing us to hear your word, to feel your presence, Lord. God, we're so thankful for what we already feel in this place. Lord, your music, your worship, God, good words, encouraging reports, Lord. God, God, we've already had a moment with you with our prayer request, but Lord, you're not done yet. God, we want to move how you want us to move. Let us follow the will that you've set before us. God, let us follow the path. Let us grow in our relationship with you and let us bind together in love and in growth in your spirit and your word and who you are. Lord, we thank you and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated, Gravity. <laughs> no. Not this time. But I do have something else I want to talk about. Who doesn't love a good gift for Christmas? Bingo. Who doesn't love a good gift for Christmas, right? Everybody should like good gifts, right? Who, who, who wakes up and says, I want coal in their stocking, okay? Or who wakes up and says, I need a toothbrush and toothpaste for Christmas, right? Okay. No, 
Yeah, the older you get, you, you really do appreciate socks and undershirts and sh- clothes. Right. It, right. When I was y'all's age, I absolutely despised getting clothes. Like, I got to the point to where I would quit putting it on my list so my parents would never get me clothes, okay? But lo and behold, it never failed because there was always a sock or there was always a pajama set or there was already, yeah, something showed up in my stocking or my gifts that I just, I didn't want. But with Christmas just around the corner, I'm sure all of us are excited about whatever holiday plans we have, right? Whether it's spending time with family and friends, whether it's eating the Christmas ham or turkey, whether it is waking up on Christmas morning and seeing if you've been nice or you've been naughty. I'm sure everybody's been, quote, nice because they're going to get gifts, right? Right? One of my personal favorite Christmas things to do around Christmas time is to watch some of my favorite Christmas movies. Okay, Christmas movies are some of my favorite type of movies because they generally foster themes and ideas of happiness and good feelings and joyful pleasantries and things that try to just make you smile. Now, I'm not a fan of the cheesy Hallmark or Lifetime or American Family Radio Christmas movies or whatever. Now, I'm sure that'll get me some flack. If Sister JoJo was here, she would definitely be giving me some flack because she loves them Hallmark Lifetime Christmas movies. It's literally the same plot, just in a different town, different characters, different occupations, right? Right, right. But there are actually really good Christmas movies out there. One I can think of is It's a Wonderful Life. Now that is, that's an older movie if you haven't seen it. But It's a Wonderful Life is a wonderful, wonderful movie. There's that one. There's A Christmas Carol, if you've seen A Christmas Carol, right. Right, which is based on the Charles Dickens book, a Christmas Carol, the same name, and it's been adapted various different ways, and, and it's always good. Home Alone is a Christmas movie that many people have come to love. Now, I don't consider that movie to be a Christmas movie, but I do know there are a lot of people who do. Of course, we can't forget the movie Elf. Elf, of course, with actor Will Ferrell is a movie that a lot of people enjoy to watch. We have a, you know, once again, we have A Christmas Story. We have National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Miracle on 34th Street. My sister's favorite, Little Cameron's favorite, The Nightmare Before Christmas is one of her favorite Christmas movies, right? The Grinch is probably the most popular one as of right now, right? The Grinch is a big one. But what I'm starting to realize is the more and more that I watch a specific Christmas movie, the more it's starting to become my favorite Christmas movie. And it's none of the ones we mentioned. It's none of the ones that we've said. It is the Polar Express. Good job. Yes. The Polar Express 
for those that don't know, is a great movie in my opinion. It was so popular when it came out in 2004 that schools would let their students miss class as they took class trips to watch this movie in the theater. They, you would get to go all out. Hot cocoa, right? Pajamas, all that stuff to come see this movie. But there's a lot of reasons why I love the Polar Express. The, the story begins with that sound of a mysterious train coming in. The, the Polar Express stopping outside a young boy's house on Christmas Eve. He is invited to join the train on its journey to the North Pole. The boy, of course, is hesitant, but eventually decides to board the Polar Express. And once on board, he meets all kinds of other children, including a know-it-all boy and a girl named Holly, or Hero Girl. The conductor along with many other characters who are portrayed, as y'all mentioned earlier, by Tom Hanks. He checks the tickets and he welcomes them, right? As, as the train travels through snowy landscapes, the children experience magical moments, including a visit from the hot chocolate-serving waiter who leads a lively musical number in a dining car. And this train encounters twists and turns and a roller coaster-like ride on ice. The, the children, they encounter a mysterious hobo riding on the roof of the train. And this hobo serves as a guide of sorts with cryptic messaging and, and challenging the boy, this young boy, on what he believes and sending doubts his way. And, and this boy has a feeling, a sense of loneliness and uncertainty, decides to venture the roof of the train. And there he encounters the hobo again and experiences a thrilling ride on the roof. Eventually, the Polar Express arrives at the North Pole, which is a breathtaking spectacle of lights and festive decorations. The children are in awe as they witness the bustling activity of Santa's workshop from the windows of the train. And of course, with it being the North Pole, Santa Claus has to make an appearance, and he selects one person to receive the first gift of Christmas. Do y'all remember what that first gift of Christmas was? Not just any bells. Santa's sleigh bells, right. The right. The bell is said to only ring for those who truly believe in the spirit of Christmas. That's the only way that you can hear the ring. The Polar Express begins its return journey and the boy realizes throughout the return home that he had lost his sleigh bell. Holly selfishly gives her her bell, gives him her bell, and eventually the boy wakes up on Christmas morning in his bed, unsure if the events of the Polar Express were real or were just a dream, which he eventually at the end of the movie finds the sleigh bell in his pocket affirming that the Christmas magic is indeed real. The Polar Express is full of different themes of understanding, wonder, and the spirit of Christmas, making it a beloved holiday classic. But, but why? Why is it so captivating? Why, why is it so... It takes a simple concept of riding a train to North Pole, getting a sleigh bell, and coming back home. Why, why does it make it so fascinating? What, what is it about Polar Express that makes it such a classic and resonates with so many people? We, we have to understand to know this. We have to understand what is the main point 
of this movie? What is the main theme that the creators of this movie were wanting to understand about the meaning of Christmas? And, and, and the meaning, I believe, of the Polar Express revolves around the power of belief. To believe in something, regardless of what it is, is truly a powerful tool. It, it's a powerful journey for a person to come to the conclusion that they believe in something. Even if everyone around the boy didn't necessarily... He, he didn't necessarily believe in the magic of that bell. Everybody else did. Everybody else tried explaining to him that Christmas is real. Santa is real. There's something magical about the Christmas season. And though the young boy experienced the same things that everybody else experienced with the Christmas season, it wasn't until that young boy heard it for himself and made himself believe that there is something special about the season of Christmas. That, that conductor, Mr. Tom Hanks himself, who plays the conductor, he, he's all the time screaming, all aboard. An, an invitation for, for children to embark on a journey of belief. He, he invites children to embark on a journey that simply can't be explained in common words. It, it's extraordinary what these kids go through on the events of the train, such as the singing waiters and the visit from the hobo. It, it challenges doubts and skepticism from the young boy. This young boy had heard about these Christmas things. This young boy had, had been a part of some of this experience that everybody else had been experienced, but something, something just inside of this young boy didn't sit well in what he believed. Even when he saw Santa himself at first was taken back by actually seeing what all of this Christmas was centered around in his eyes. Santa Claus he sees and he's still taken back. The, 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 the fact that you and I, we could dive so deep into this movie and I'm not going to sit here and, and from what it looks like from some of you bore you with this movie even longer. Because let's face it, if you're not a fanatic about the Polar Express, you're probably like, Brother Brendan, can we move on? Like this movie is, you know, whatever. If we were talking about The Grinch, though, we could be here all day, right? But we're talking about Polar Express. <laughs> but this little boy and Thomas from our scriptures both, both have something in common, and that's the fact that they understood what it meant to doubt. That they understood what it meant to go through things that, that should have sparked their interest and understanding, but stuff was missed along the way until something happened for them to realize that this is real. That it's not just a season. It's not just Christmas Eve and when I wake up it'll all disappear. No, this is legit. This, this, this thing that I'm experiencing is real. While, while the little boy from the movie needed the ringing of the Santa's bells to believe, it, it was the nail-scarred hands of Jesus for Thomas to believe. When, when people talk about Thomas, 
Though more times than not, they associate himself with being doubtful. How many of us, no matter, just like Thomas, he, he followed his ministry to Jesus. He was there through all of Jesus' miracles and healings. And he even participated in some of those things. But, but when you and I think of Thomas, it's never that. When we think of Thomas, most people think of him as somebody who was doubtful. Somebody who, who, who doubted Jesus. But he's known to be so much, so much more. How many of us can relate to Thomas and say, God, I've done so many great things, but because of the one thing I've done wrong, that's what people remember me by. That's what people know me by. I, 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 there's things that I do behind the scenes that not many people would know or things that I've done good for other people, but because of one mistake that I've made, it's, it's completely forgotten about. It's completely gone. As, see, with Thomas, Thomas was part of the 12 disciples. There was a lot of good things that Thomas did in his life on earth, but it, it had all seemed to be forgotten when he had that one moment of doubt. If Thomas could speak to us today, he would probably emphasize to us this moment of, just, just please don't judge me based off of one incident. Look at all the other stuff that I've done. Don't, don't base me off of the one mistake that I've made. Scholars believe that Thomas would go on to pioneer churches that were found in India. So it seems that this one moment of doubt was just a moment. It didn't completely derail Thomas. It could have, but it didn't. And for that boy... And Polar Express, when we look at him, we don't ever look at his initial disbelief in the movie from start to end, but we always remember the moment he rings those bells and he believes in Santa Claus. And so for both Thomas and the boy, how many of us find ourselves in these similar moments, these moments of disbelief or uncertainty or mishap? When, it, when it's hard for us to believe in something extraordinary, something greater than reason, something more than just the normal, something that feels as magical as the spirit of Christmas. Gravity, the greatest gift you and I could receive this Christmas, the greatest present that we could receive in this season, even for ourselves, is the gift of confession. A gift that when we open that says, I believe in God. I believe in the extraordinary. I believe in the miraculous. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in something that has impacted my life more than anything on earth. And it's more than just the holiday season. It's more than just a shiny present under the fireplace or tree. But it's my confession that Thomas gave exactly when he said, My Lord... And my God. Let that be the gift that we open this season. It's one that says, I believe in not only a God that oversees everything with heaven, his throne, and earth as his footstool, but I also believe in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who dictates and orchestrates my life for his glory and for my benefit. So when we go through moments of doubt and disbelief, maybe you're in that season 
right now, Gravity Student Ministries. Maybe this holiday season you've lost your sense of purpose or place in this world. Maybe you're looking for something to open up on Christmas morning that will bring you peace and joy and love. But how about we open that gift of confession that says that I am a child of God and I serve the true living King and no matter what my family, what society, what my classmates or social media says, I am going to be what God has called me to be. And even though Thomas doubted God, which is really crazy to think. God still chose him. God didn't kick Thomas out for his disbelief. God could have said, okay, Thomas, you don't believe me. Even at this point, you don't believe me. You can go somewhere else. God didn't say that. God said, look at me, Thomas. What do you mean you don't believe in me? Didn't I do what I said? Come on, didn't God do what He said in your life? Didn't God pull you out of the grave, Kenny? Come on, didn't, didn't God fill you with the Holy Ghost, Reagan? Come on, God's promises are yes and amen. Come on, come on, didn't God, hasn't God been good to you, Trent? Come on, hasn't God been good to you, Ian? Come on, God has not forsaken nor failed us in this season. Amen. It doesn't matter what you and I have done, even if we fully don't understand sometimes. God has called and chosen us for His will and to grow His kingdom. Guess what? If you feel like you're disqualified from being used by God, then there's an opportunity to get qualified and it starts with salvation. When a person repents and is baptized in the name of Jesus, their past life is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sins may have been many and higher than a mountain, but the grace of God is still higher this holiday season. Once your sins are covered, God no longer remembers your past life. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Aren't you thankful that your sins have been washed clean? Isn't that such a good gift and a benefit of living for God? That your sins and your past have been washed under the blood. The Lord saw something great and amazing in Thomas and chose him to be one of the twelve. When we give our life to Jesus, we have that same potential to become anything the Lord wants us to become. When I confess to God and say, Lord, not my will, but yours. God, all of my wants and my desires, all of my gifts, my talents, my hobbies, my goals, I give them all to you. There's nothing that God will not do for you and I, gravity. There's nothing. Nothing that He can't do for us. Luke 9 says, And He said to them all, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for My sake, the same shall save it. When you and I, we say we love God, do we really mean it? How much of it is truly meant? Is it a love that we express the same way Jesus asked Peter to do so three times in John 21? 
Or is it a love that we just simply give to Him like we would a friend that we occasionally want to hang out with? Is it truly an agape love that says, God, less of me and more of you? Paul and Barnabas were described as men who have risked their lives in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we keep our commitment to Jesus, there's a gift inside that says that we will become overcomers no matter what comes our way. I don't know about you, but I love that feeling of overcoming something. Come on, isn't it beautiful when you and I overcome things in our lives? Come on, the things that you and I may be struggling with, there will be a day where you will overcome them. Come on, any addiction that you're dealing with, any, any bad days at school, any, any days that you feel like you're not worth it, there will be a moment if you're following after Him where God is going to help you overcome those situations. Amen. Amen. One commentator said it like this. Revelation 12.11 says, They overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We've got to be unwilling to die as martyrs. We don't need to shrink back and cower away when we're threatened with death, but we need to reaffirm that firm foundation that we have in God. Come on, if you're having a bad day, stand on that firm foundation. Come on, if you're having a horrible time, know that God is with you every step of the way. If you're having a bad class, if you're going through a bad breakup, if you're going through a bad situation at home, you are not alone. You are not in this by yourself. You are a commitment from God, your Heavenly Father, that says, I will be with you every step of the way. You may not hear my voice. You may not feel my presence. You may not feel my hand. But you will know that I am above everything else and that I am with you every step of the way. Amen. But the battle and this journey is hard. It's not like the morning of Christmas when we open up our gifts, we hang out with our family, and then all right, that's it. It's time to wrap it up until next year. This life is 365 days a year. And however many years you and I are on this earth, it is a long journey, Lord willing. Come on. It's a struggle. If we're honest with ourselves, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to live Pentecostal. It's a struggle to live the Christian faith and the Christian life. It's, it's a struggle to not want to gossip or say something negative because it feels good. It's a struggle to make the right decisions or disdain from anything bad in our hands or our eyes. Because guess what? No one else is doing it around us. Why should we? It's hard. When you're the only one who goes home and you're the only one trying to live for God, that is tough. But you're not discredited. You're not counted out. There's something special in there. There's something, there's potential in there that is so great that God is trying to pull out. Come on, Jesus will speak to you whenever you are struggling. When, when Peter was suffering from a broken spirit, 
having denied God before the rooster crowed, Jesus wanted him to know that he still loved him. Mark 16 and 7 says, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, Jesus is going to find you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. If Jesus was mad at Peter, Jesus would not have found Peter. But because Jesus loves us even on our worst days, and even when we're struggling and we fail, Jesus will find us. David said it like this, no matter where I put my bed, if it's in hell or I'm on the mountain or in the valley, where can I run from the presence of the Lord? You can't run from God. Don't try ever running from God. You want to live a miserable life, you run from God. But if you want to live a blessed life, full of life and more abundantly, don't run from God. You run towards God and you run towards the calling that He has given you and I in this life. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. Amen. For Thomas though, Jesus appears in the room and gives him the opportunity to do exactly as he had said. Thomas, put your finger here in my wound. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and just believe. Stop doubting. Why are you still doubting, Thomas? Jesus rebuked Thomas out of love for his lack of faith. Jesus said, it's okay, still feel the wounds. I, this is real. This is not fake. Come on, how many of us have ever had moments of doubt just for Jesus to reaffirm those beliefs? Come on, how many of us have ever felt like we were in such a dark place we could not feel Jesus? We could not feel His presence. No matter what we did, we could not feel close to God. But the beautiful thing about Jesus, Thomas's whole thing was that he had to touch Jesus. Let me ask you this, and I'm just going to be plain as day. You pray to God, you pray to God, but what happens if God doesn't answer it the way you want Him to answer it? Come on, there's a way you might think that your broken family needs to get back together, but what if it's not the way God wants it to be? What, what if you're trying to get this position at work, but it's, it's not the way it's intended for you to do it? Would you still be okay? What, what if you want to be a manager at your job, but God says you need to wait a little bit? What if you're seeking after a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you want everything in your power to do it now, but God says, I need you to work on you first before you can do this relationship? You're going to have... The, the manly God, the, man, the godly man and the godly woman I have set for you. But, but what would happen if you had to wait till you got out of high school? Or, or you had to wait till you had to work on some things first? Would you be able to do it? Or would you say, God, I can't wait on you. I'm just going to do what I need to do. I know you'll bless it because I'm still following you, right? No. No. Come on, I, I feel like I'm talking to somebody in this place. Thomas's whole thing was that he had to touch Jesus to believe in Him again. But, but does Thomas actually touch Jesus? 
The Bible doesn't necessarily say he touched Jesus. But I believe that he didn't. I'm of the belief that all Jesus really needed to do was just show Thomas. And the reason why I believe is because Jesus said, because you have seen me and not because you have seen and touched me. Thomas never did actually touch Jesus. Even though Thomas wanted to. But Jesus was still there. Come on, we serve a mighty God. That though I doubt God and am determined in my stubbornness to try and prove things myself, let me be reminded that all I need sometimes is just a simple look to God that says, God, I know that you've got this in the bag. I know if I could just let go of my hands and my stubbornness and not try to do it on my own accord, not try to reach out to you, but let you come to me and let your perfectness come at the same time. Let your timing come. Not, not me forcing what you have for me, but trying to fit myself into this equation. No, God, I'm going to submit to you. And I know you've got great things in my life. I know you've got wonderful things. But I need to learn not to be stubborn. Come on, I know, I know we can admit to, some of us can admit to ourselves tonight that we're stubborn. Right? I want things done my way. I want things done now. Sister Reagan, I'm going to pick on you just for a second, but it's out of love. Last year, Sister Reagan got denied all state and Section 7 worship. All of us know she's got an anointing and gift on her life for that, but it didn't happen in that time. Was Reagan mad? Yes. Was she upset? Yes. Did she question her calling? Yes. Because she wanted it right then and now. But watch this. God said, nope, you're not ready for it yet. You, there's still some things in ministry you need to learn about. There's still an anointing I'm trying to get you to, but you're going to have to, you're going to, have to work at it, and you're going to have to go through some things that are crushing you and mending you, and you're not going to like some things once you step into ministry, and you may not like the people you rub shoulders with, but I'm putting people in place for you to grow and to excel because the time will come. And when it does, I want you to flourish and I want you to excel. And the same thing that happened with her is the same thing that wants to happen with all of us. There are plans and designs that God has given every single one of us. And if it's not happening now, don't fret, don't get sad, don't get hurt. Wait and just grow in God and let Him guide you. Let Him lead you. Let Him be the one that says no no, it's not time. Because Thomas said, you're my God and my Lord. He admitted, God, you're more than just the person who, who is blessing me and helping me, but you're also the one who dictates what I do. You can't have one or the other. you got to have both. If we are to... We get excited. I'm, I'm not even going on my notes. We, we get excited when we scream Jehovah Jireh because He's our provider. But He provides everything. Schedule. He provides what relationships I should be in. He provides my blessing and my manna, my, my manna new that's every day. He provides these things. So I can't just have part of it. i got to have all of it. 
I got to have the same God who will part the waters for me to walk through or who will keep me from burning in the fire. It's also the same God that will tell me when it's time to go in the fire or when it's time to go in the flood and you're going to be fine. Just trust me. Come on. God is wanting to bless us tonight. There's a level of faith that we have to say, God, I have to get out of my stubbornness and let you be in control. Come on, we can lose out on the blessings of God when we take control. When we demand for a voice or a vision or a revelation to prove our faith. When we demand for some special circumstances to prove our faith. When we demand for some ecstatic experience. When we demand for an answer to every difficult question or objection. When we demand what people will think of as success in our work for Jesus. When we demand that others support us in what we do. Quit demanding how things should go and just say, God, I have to trust you because that's all I can do. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Jesus didn't come against Thomas with a weapon. And neither will Jesus come against us when we have our moments of disbelief. He will come with, to us with those outstretched, nail-scarred hands. I'm, st I'm closing. Everybody can stand. On behalf of Gravity Student Ministries, thank you so much for checking out today's Plugged In episode. If you're ever in the Centerpoint, Louisiana area and you want to come check out one of our services in person, we have them every Wednesday night, 7.05 p.m. in the Upstairs Youth Sanctuary at Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We would love to have you be a part of us. In the meantime, though, hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the next Plugged In episode. See you later.